With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Let's get ready to rumble! Hello and welcome to Face Off. In this one, we kind of just doing it a bit on the fly. I apologise to my two guests in advance for making them wait, so this one might be a bit rushed and a bit all over the place because the agenda is a bit last minute, but I did... Uh, try to make up the fact I didn't do a Burnley one, so we're kind of going to do a Burnley and Bayern mix. But I'll introduce my guest, and then we'll get straight into it. Um, AI contributor Stephen Beaumont Adam, how are you doing, Stephen? Oh, good, thank you. Especially after the uh, last couple of wins. Ah, uh, good stuff. I yeah, I mean, last night was just the uh, icing on top of the on top of the cake, and hopefully we get the cherry very soon. Um, and joining us as well is Tadiwa Chanakira, almost buggered it. Uh, how you doing, Tadiwa? Good save there towards the end. Oh, <laughs> Not too bad in your soccer. Oh, I'm good, man. I'm good. Um... So we'll get straight into it. I mean, we're not going to do the usual format of going through every incident of every game and all that jazz. But, I mean, Stephen, I'll start with you on the Burnley game. I know it's like about 100 years ago since we played Burnley, and I'm sure you can't remember anything as well. But the main story out of that game is Adam Lallana. There's no, there's no two ways about it. I know some people played better than him, but he is the story coming out of that game. And the fact that it was probably... I mean, I'm not his biggest fan, that's well known, but it was his, probably his first or best game in, what, two years for us? And what what what's your take on him as a situation? Is he is he an actual part of our running now? I mean, if, if he can give us a 7 out of 10 like he did on at the weekend, he's a perfectly inoffensive squad member. Um, and to be honest, I think Cy Brundish said this, didn't he, this week? By having someone who fulfills that role, it opens up space for Sane, Mane and Salah. So it's worth having him on the pitch if he's the player who's chosen because he does get further up. And even though he's not our best player, he still gets into space. He still tries to move the ball forward. And it was a fairly positive like game from him. It, I didn't quite get the second coming that Maka made it out to sound like. But as I said, he was reasonably good it was reasonably inoffensive and no worse than Hendo has been as of late so yeah fine if he plays a few games he plays against Huddersfield and Fulham but I don't want to see him in the Champions League I don't want to see him against Spurs or Chelsea or Newcastle because Rafa will destroy him yeah, yeah, I'm I'm kind of worried about that as well. Um, I mean, to do what, what what's your thoughts on the line? Obviously, bit of a d- divisive figure in, in Liverpool fandom. But what what what's your take on him before um this game and also um after that game? 
I think the thing for me with Lalana is there are specific games where he can fit in. It's just whether or not Klopp picks the right games to play him. Uh, Burnley at home, I have no problem with Lalana playing. If he can't put in a performance in those type of games, then it's probably a lot worse than than what people have made it out to be for him. Um, but in terms of what impact he has for the rest of the season, I think it depends on how how early, I mean, how long we go into the Champions League. Um, we will need the Lalanas out there if we're going to be playing, you know, Champions League games and then playing a, a Premier League game either before it or after it, obviously depending on the fixture list. But, um, yeah, as long as he's not playing, as has been alluded to, um, Stephen alluded to it, as long as he's not playing in the, in inverted commas, bigger games, then I think he'll be able to hang. It's, it's, it becomes an issue when he's overplayed. Um, and Klopp seems to have a tendency to do that when with Lalana, he plays him way more than I feel he should play. But, if it's in a game against Burnley, then I, I, I really couldn't care less, to be honest. Yeah, if he's playing in midfield and he's not playing with Milner and Hendo, that's fine. But you can't play in the front three. He just doesn't have the pace. He runs down blind alleys. He did it at the weekend. There was a, couple, there was a perfectly good break and he ended up down by the corner flag for no reason whatsoever. So I think it just depends where he plays and who he plays with. You know, he had Fabinho, who's been incredible, and Ginny's having his best season on on the weekend. I'm pretty sure if he'd been playing alongside a full Article 50 Brexit midfield of Henderson, Milner mm-hmm. and Lalana, it would have been more vanilla than vanilla. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you lead me on to the next question. I mean, we are just going to bounce between the two games. And um, Stephen, seeing as you mentioned Fabinho there and kind of been, well, alluding that he is a key player to the balance of the midfield. I mean, what what did you make of him not starting against Bayern? I know, I know Klopp gave his reasons that he wanted fresher legs, but I mean, Ginny played every game possible, <laughs> really. Um, Milner's just coming off an injury and still probably overplayed. And Henderson, I mean, he doesn't exactly get a lot to rest. So what was your take on Fabinho not starting? I know he came on 10 minutes, obviously, but what's your take on Fabinho not starting? Do you think that is possible? I know we won't, but do you think that's a possible blind spot of Klopp? I don't think it's a blind spot. I think he said what he believes, that Fabinho's played a lot of games and he knew we would need the legs against Bayern Munich's midfield, especially how they played it at Anfield. Do I agree with him not playing? No. Was, it, was I unnecessarily angry and I'd have a word of myself when I saw the team line up? Yes. But, um, you know, it's done now, isn't it? Henderson's done his foot and if it's anything like previous foot injuries, they don't tend to be short with Henderson, do they? So... Mm, uh, he loves that midfield though, doesn't he, in Europe with Ginny, Henderson and Milner and regardless of how many people come up with the stats of how awful it is and how much Dave Hendrick has a good quality rant about it, it's just what he likes to play in European away games there's a reason mm. in his head, he's taken us to one Champions League final the Champions League quarter final, the UEFA Cup final and, you know, we're only one point behind apparently the greatest ever premiership team. So I think there's a point where we have to stop questioning him. He's got a fairly good idea of what he's doing. But we don't necessarily have to agree with him. Mm. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, it is the reaction to certain 
team news and stuff is is very much over the top, but especially on Twitter and stuff. But um, the thing with Henderson is he has games where he's when he's not pressed and he plays quite well, and maybe he's look, maybe Klopp's looked at Munich and said they're mm. not the, the way they're set up. They're not going to have somebody on top of him, so he will have time to move the ball. He will have time to do what he can do at times. In a recent games, he's had a few charges for and got towards the box, and he's played some decent long raking balls as if he, as if he thinks he's Trent Alexander-Arnold all of a sudden. So he has had some better games, but they're games where he's not pressed and pressurised, and maybe that's what he thought would happen last night. Yeah, I mean that's a fair point. I mean we didn't read watching by and only these two games, I admit, but there's not one who look like a, a pressing team. I mean, if anything, they just look terrified of the press, never mind trying it themselves. So, I mean, to do what... I'll I'll, roll, I'll I'll kind of flip the question on its head there. What do you think Fabinho, and, I mean, extend that to Cater, I suppose, and, and anyone else we bring in on midfield, what do you think they have to do to persuade Klopp to trust them in these big games? Because we have seen Fabinho in a couple big games in the Premier League, but not in Europe at all. No, and it's it's clearly something that maybe not necessarily what more they need to do. It's just that Klopp knows um, exactly what he's going to get from the likes of Henderson and Milner. Um, he doesn't have to think twice. He doesn't have to worry um, or perhaps even set the team up to to worry about those type of things. With You can imagine with the Naby Keita, you're probably telling Fabinho that, you know, um, Cato's probably going to lose the ball a few times considering how high risk the passes he goes for. So you need to track back. And maybe that then also leads into saying to like a Robertson or an Alexander-Arnold, you can't just bomb forward the way you usually do um, purely because if Cato loses the ball and you're ahead of him, there's going to be a gap um, out wide. So it's those type of things where bringing Cato into the team or bringing, you know, a Fabinho into the team, although to a lesser extent, might change the play of a lot of the other players in and around them. Whereas Klopp sees in the big games that he doesn't want that risk. He wants to know what exactly he's going to get out of the team. And you know from a Henderson, Henderson's not necessarily going to lose the ball by trying a risky pass. That That's not, I don't think that's an unfair statement to make. Um, mm-hmm. that you know what I mean he's not going to lose the ball in a dangerous area and, uh, same with James Milner he's football smart um, he's got that football intelligence and he's smart enough to know when to play risky passes and when not to whereas you just can't say that about a navigator so you can see where Klopp is coming from that perspective but in terms like I said less so with Fabinho in terms of Fabinho gives you everything you want from a midfielder especially at Liverpool yeah. in my opinion um, whether it's the defensive side of the game even the attacking side of the game to me he's far and above the best midfielder we have at the club and I don't think it's even close now if we take that same attitude and we bring it across the rest of the team I don't see Klopp ever applying the logic he uses with Fabinho for anyone else on the team, he wouldn't necessarily drop um, Allison for Mignolet purely because he knows what he's going to get from Mignolet in a big game. You play your best player, who's Allison. If you look at the defence, 
Virgil van Dijk is going to play every big game because he is the best defender we have. If you look in attack, Salah is going to get, you know, Salah is going to play every big game because he is the most talented forward that we have. Yet in midfield, where it seems like a no-brainer to me that Fabinho is the best midfielder we have, he's not applying the same logic. Fabinho doesn't necessarily see the pitch. And that, for me, I, I, I don't understand. Maybe maybe you've seen something from him with regards to that logic. But it might be managing his load. Um, you know, Sai's been bringing up numbers quite a lot this season of players who have potentially overplayed or players who underplayed. Maybe he's looked at the game. Or, you know, what he said was you know, he wanted a midfield that had fresh legs and Henderson and Milner had fresh legs. Maybe he felt that having Fabino free for the Fulham game because that's a game in hand on City and it's a game we really need to batter Fulham to him was the longer game that I need that midfielder in that game I trust these guys they've played plenty of games for me to see through my plan and I don't think that this midfield's going to cause the type of problems I need for being on the pitch for yeah yeah it's, it's hard to know what was in his head so yeah I, I think but, the with the load thing, I, I do I do agree that it's you know picking which games he wants for certain certain players, and maybe then it comes to personal preference. Where, in my opinion, I think the you know Henderson, Milner, and Wijnaldum as a three against Fulham away, if they can't be producing in that game, then it's a bigger indictment on the players themselves than necessarily. Do you get what I mean? You would expect those players, like a Lalana against Burnley at home, to put in a performance. Um, whereas against Bayern Munich in on the big stage in the last 16, I would want my biggest players and my best players in each position. And But yeah, like you say, it, it, it obviously is something that goes into his head and how he wants to manage that. But yeah. I'm always of the belief that surely that team can do well against, you know, against the Fulham and the Burnley on either end of, you know, the, the sandwich that is the Champions League in the middle. Or maybe he thinks keep Fabinho fresh for the weekend, playing with Cater and win 10-0. Because Fulham's defence is horrific. And this weekend's a really good weekend to try and put a dent in that City goal difference. That's quite interesting. I mean, you've got you've both somewhat mentioned the balance of the midfield in terms of, I mean, the Lalana bit talking about um, him being more attacking compared to the other options we've used in the past. Um, and today, where you mentioned that kind of flat, boring midfield, and if they can't produce against Fulham, I mean, <laughs> I mean, we we could produce against Fulham. <laughs> um, but do you, do you think today? Would you think that's a a, a genuine? reason that saving a player for a Fulham match when we've got a buy in Champions League what is it round of 16 game is, is that a genuine not excuse but a reason yeah I, th- I think he's well justified to you know as the manager to to give that reason and especially if you know we come out the game winning um, obviously we will never know if the the original midfield would, before Henderson came got injured if they were going to be able to hang in that game um, but for me, it, one of Bayern's strongest suits is their midfield. I mean, Javi Martinez has been mm. one of my favorite players to watch for for years, going back to when he bossed the 
um, under 23 World Cup, under 19 World Cup. He he was years ahead of the players he was playing with, and you could see that. Um, and then you've got you know the eccentric Thiago who can produce things out of nowhere. And then obviously Hamas Rodriguez's reputation precedes him. So I I just thought that it needed that bit more quality. Um, I, I, I suppose it's sort of like a short-term mentality in that I was thinking sort of we've been robbed of good midfield battles in big games because Fabinho hasn't featured in as many of them. Whereas if you think long-term, he's he should be with us for quite a while. So he will get those opportunities pr- probably more so next season. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's a valid excuse for, and not necessarily an excuse, but a valid justification for Klopp to say, I'm picking this midfield for this game. I need runners in midfield against maybe the quality of, of Bayern. And, yeah. Or maybe he was thinking to do the same thing as they did against PSG at the start of the season, which is we know if we score, they're in trouble because it's nil-nil and we're away. Let's bypass the midfields, which is what worked brilliant against PSG. Let's use Trent and Van Dijk and Robbo to get the ball into the forwards. And those three guys are there to protect the counters and let the fullbacks be the creative output and let the, the forwards be the creative output. And if that was the game plan, then it makes complete sense to have one Alden and Milner either side of Henderson just mm. there to press to press space. And I know it's not a great tactic, but it worked against PSG. And this was a game where if we get a goal, they're in trouble on it. But that was the that's how the game went, wasn't it? We scored a goal. They got a fortunate a fortunate equaliser but in the second half we realised that we could get at them and we got at them and they crumbled I mean James Rodriguez was I thought to be honest I forgot he was even playing he got <laughs> Thiago, <pocket> hard <laughs> Thiago didn't have a great game and in terms of like where does Fabinho put on the pitch Javi Martinez was a borderline third centre back in the first game and I don't remember a lot of him last night he just fouled Henderson, didn't he? That was yeah, <laughs> I, I literally from their from their midfield. I remember Thiago having a couple of pops from the edge of the box, mm. and the Goretzka came on, and Renato Sanchez came on. That's 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 my complete memory of their Sanchez, midfield last night. Sanchez skinned Fabinho hard. To be fair, he sat him down like an absolute boy. <laughs> yeah, uh, but that that's if a, you look that's at a the... career highlight for him. Sorry. Um, just to go back to Stephen's point, if you look at the heat map from our, our players in that game, you'd certainly um, Milner and Wijnaldum, they they basically were playing like right back and left back. If you look at the heat map, they they were giving so much cover to uh, our, our wing backs that were bombing forward. So they, I think there is there is justification in that. And then obviously, then picking between Henderson and Fabinho. Um, Henderson then got the nod, and you know Fabinho comes on, so we can't we can't make that comparison. But yeah, in terms of the tactics for the game, I think if you the the heat map does tell that story as as Stephen has alluded to. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. We'll we'll move on from the midfield and get on to a bit more exciting stuff because Stephen, I'll start with you. You wanted to talk about him because he's dirty. He's just in dirty, dirty form. He's he's best form of his Liverpool career so far I'd say um Sadio Mane I mean we're talking about two games here and he put in 
two brilliant performances. But I mean that that first goal against Bayern. I know Neuer went. I, well, I, I don't know what Neuer was doing, but he just embarrassed Neuer on that first goal, especially. I know. I mean, the kind of form he's in is like it's like Salah last season. It's like the ball's dropping to Mane at the moment, and you just expect him to score. But you also expect him to hit the corner flag because he can have those moments, can't he, where he just does something completely out of the blue, which is dreadful. But yeah, he's like by far the best. I think it's the best goal scoring season of him full stop, isn't it? Yeah, career. I think so. But he's just been he's just been brilliant, and he the, like. The first goal was good, but I actually absolutely loved the second goal. Oh yes, I think I think the cross is something just beautiful to behold. But I think his, his finish is intelligent. You know, he's got him behind Sula, and he's put the ball in the corner. He's not just like headed it towards the goal; he's put it in the corner. And when you've got you know a player like Neuer, who's obviously his confidence is shaken, he doesn't look half the player is. He was getting nowhere near it. And it's just game in general last night. He was all over the place. But I do think a lot of his current form is actually down to Mo. We've put Mo back on the right. Mo's getting double teamed over and over and over again. Firmino's dropping into that kind of position he did at the start of the season, where he's been more of that sort of false nine, number nine attacking midfield. You don't really know where he's going to crop up. You just know he's in the middle of the pitch, which means... Mane's the man who's using his pace, he's using his experience and he's getting into those great positions and he's kind of got the balls to try some silly things like that. That The chip for the goal is actually quite audacious because he doesn't even really have time to think, he just does it off his left foot as well, which mm. isn't his strongest foot. Oh, he's one of them players who's better with his left foot than his right foot. We all have that mate at five side who's definitely like that. And his left foot. And it's just, it's just one of them. Oh, dear. And he's getting 30 goals this season. Oh. Definitely. Ooh, he's getting 30 goal. goals. What's he on now, if you know? 19, I think. Oh. I mean, that's getting 30 goals. Hopefully, Bobby can start. Play the scoring. I know he scored two against Burnley, but he's if if Bobby starts performing yeah. like he can, whoo. Um, but today, were your thoughts on Mane? Because I mean, I think Cy Brundish mentioned this on UP. I may be mistaken, but I mean, probably at the turn of the year, people were talking about Mane probably being not possibly needing to be dropped or rotated with Shakiri because he was out of form. But I mean, since the turn of the year, I mean, Mane's been what must be top top three form players in the league especially but even the world I don't have the knowledge of that but today well, how good is Mane at the minute yeah he's in scintillating form um, he's probably taken over the mantle from Son as being the, the informed forward of the yeah. Premier League um, ever since Kane came back uh, <laughs> yeah let's, let's not talk about that um, I think the important thing that it shows you know the you can distinguish this season from last season is that last season we could not afford for two out of our front three to have meh, like just okay performances. It needed to be all three of them because of how bad we were defensively. Um, because we needed every every game we needed to score at least three goals yeah. just to feel some sort of comfort. Whereas this season, because we're so good defensively, we can afford for just one of the three to be firing and, you know, see games out 1-0 or 2-0 or 2-1. Um, so it's taken a lot 
of the pressure away. So, and I suppose that's the benefit of having a front three opposed to just maybe a front two or having one main player in the team as, as we've had in the past is that we can now afford for some of the other ones to not play as well and just have one of the, them carry us um, opposed to it's, you can imagine it's very difficult for all three to be on it every single game, every single season. It, it, though that's just Ronaldo and Messi type things, you know, and not many players in world football can do that for so many years and have that consistency. Only two have ever been able to do it um, in terms of our current generation. So I'm happy that he's the one that's that's taken the mantle at the moment. And even considering that he's been playing so well, He's still not getting as much attention as, let's say, if certain other players were giving the performance he's, he's been giving. And I think that's a good thing for us um, because we've seen, uh, well, I've, I've seen in the past that he's one of the players that, I have to be careful the way I say this, but of the front three, he's the most likely to leave for me. Um, mm. I've, I've always seen it that way. Um, obviously, you know, if if it came to a stage where we just weren't winning trophies and a Real Madrid or a Barcelona come in for a Salah, there's usually not much you can do. But in terms of when we were playing well, um, you know, still chasing the trophies and stuff, he always just seemed as of that three, the one that could be taken by a by a Madrid. Um, he may not have been the highest on their on their list, but he was on their list, and that's what led to him taking so long to sign the contract um, this time around. So I, I'm always wary when the attention goes on him because I'm, I'm I'm hoping that other clubs aren't watching it. As long as other clubs are talking about Mane and Firmino, it's not just about transfers, but also on the pitch. The amount of space that Mane gets given purely because he's seen as the third of our front three um, has really helped him out this season and long may it continue in my opinion. Have you seen um, the bezies that went up today with him and Kata? No, no, I haven't at all. I haven't either. It's actually really quite funny. Kata does most of it in French and gets told off a few times by Mane for speaking in French when he knows (laughs) the word in English. It's quite funny. But you can see they are proper, proper mates. And at the end, when they're they're just chatting away and they're just saying how, you know, you've got a proper friend for life kind of thing. I think they really enjoy playing together. And we know Mane loves Bobby because he loves to copy his celebrations. Like, remember the awful, um, like, capoeira kicks he was trying to do yeah. in previous games and stuff. So I think something pretty major would have to happen for him to leave at the moment. I think, I think if we win a trophy for this season, it's going nowhere. Yeah, and and, and and I I didn't mean it in a in a sense of he's actively yeah. looking to leave. No, no, no. But I even think if Ziza and Real Madrid turn up, I think at the moment he says. Do you know what? I'm all right here. We've just won the double. My best mate's here. Hopefully. And I love Bobby. I'm being positive. We're winning the double. <laughs> yeah, mm. hopefully. It, it, it will be interesting because I, just the problem with modern football is you can't expect us to keep this team, you know, in, in three years' time, there's going to be a lot. It's going to be a, a very different team just purely because of how modern football is. I'm just looking on averages of how many players actually stay for long periods of time. So it would be something special if, we're, if, if we can keep this front three for the duration of their their next contracts or the, the contracts that they're currently on. 
but we'll still be talking about Adam Lalana. <laughs> oh God! If this pod's took a weird it. turn. <laughs> oh, sorry, I couldn't resist. <laughs> oh, I'm proper lost my train of thought now. Um, a word, on, a few words on Salah. Then we mentioned Mane in the form of his Liverpool career. I mean, to do what, I'll stick with you for this. I mean, Salah. He's playing well, especially at home. And, I mean, he played well last night. He got better in the second half as well, I thought. But, I mean, it's just weird not seeing Salah score consistently now, isn't it? Yeah, and I think it goes to just how people create narratives. Because most fans that I speak to that aren't Liverpool fans are saying, you know, the, the first thing they say is that Salah's having a poor season. That's usually mm. the, the the talk that I hear, and, yeah. and you can certainly see it. Um, it's something that's been cultivated in the general, you know, media public. Is is that he's he's off form? He's not playing well. But if if you watch him week in week out, he's doing everything at at a good level, at a high level. Maybe there are questions of you know that final pass or final shot. Um, not being the way it was at the end of last season. But the thing is, people are only going to remember the purple patch- patches of last season. They're never going to remember, you know, the some some of the other performances where he wasn't always up to it. So he's, he, I love he's the now fact you can't out. remember them either. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, was thinking, I was trying to think of like the Wolves game at the beginning of the season and stuff. And I don't know if that's, it's unfair because it's a new, he's coming to a new club and stuff like that. But um He's always going to be held to that high standard now. Whereas for us as Liverpool fans, and I'm sure you guys can attest to this as well, I think he's playing he's playing fine. If let's put it this way, if Lalana was giving us the performances that Salah is giving us now, even with the no goals in however six games or or something like that, however much it is, um, he he would be you know front of the page of all the local newspapers. He he would be lauded as you know, the second coming. Whereas because it's Salah and because modern football is not just a, well, it, it's it's moved on from being a holistic football um, performances to just end results of how many goals and how many assists. Um, I'll, I'll never forget, you know, I think it was Zinedine, when Zinedine Zidane won football of the year, I think he, he had less than like 10 goals. In, in that season, I think he had something between five and eight goals in that season. Could you even imagine uh, a, an attacking midfielder winning football of the year now, not having scored more than 10 goals? No, <laughs> that's the thing. Uh, Van Dyke's going to have to score some more to get some more, get, get the rewards he deserves. Sorry, Stephen, what were you going to say? I was, well, was going to say, you know, Salah's only got 20 goals this season. How dare he? There's yeah, no shocking. way. There's, there's no way we have 13 games to go, and with the likes of Huddersfield and Fulham on the agenda, you know, he, he's definitely not going to get 30 goals, is he? Drop into the reserves. That's not good enough. 20 goals, eight assists <laughs> for for a wing that's just dreadful. I mean, I mean, Harry Kane would hate to have stats like that. <laughs> right, all right. Well, Harry Kane scoring, but Spurs are just tanking. <laughs> I, I, I think Mo needs to go. I think when he broke through and he shot from the edge of the box and he probably had time to take a couple more touches or he could have played in um, 
Mane for what would have been a relative tap-in, like in the way Neuer played yesterday. I think he just needs that goal, doesn't he? He's he's kind of snatching at chances. He's he's getting to the right places. I th- but there was a thing on the heat map last night. He don't think he got into the box. And something Cy Brundish brings up a lot on UP is when Mo Salah gets the most touches in the box, we win games. Mm. So he's back on the right wing where I still think he's better as an inside forward on the right oh, yeah, than he is as a centre forward. He's still got pretty good numbers for goals and assists considering he is a wide forward. So hopefully, you know, next few games he can get in the box a little bit more. And I just think once he gets that goal, I mean, I'm sure there were points where Torres went without scoring. We know Suarez was incredible, but he would go a few games and he would... St- and Suarez, if he'd gone a couple of games, would really, really snatch at his chances until he scored. So I just think once that goal comes, he'll just tear someone apart. He'll score four or five in a couple of games. But he's he's getting us assists. Mm. You know, he got assists in the last two games, with, I think. And the, the assists he's getting are just lovely, lovely balls. You know, he's playing good football. He just hasn't hit the back of the net. And he's also... He's also creating space for everyone else. Like uh, even Salah not scoring still occupies three or four defenders, which means we're getting space for other people to do stuff. So it's not necessarily that he has to always produce the end product. Just him being on the pitch creates so much space for everyone else in our team. And I, I think that's invaluable as well. The really frustrating thing in the West Ham game was you could see Salah was getting double teamed over and over and over again. And we were just we were just playing the ball to him repeatedly. He has been double teamed, and whoever else was playing in the front three at any point in the game, nobody was really doing anything to get into any space. Since that game, Mane's remember what it is to run behind and to run between defenders, and has reaped absolute havoc. And he's really, really taken advantage of what what Salah's brought to the game. So I, I still think he's going to end up with thirty goals, ten, fifteen assists still going to be one of the best players in Europe. Yeah. I've, yeah. I've got a question for, for the both of you, and maybe this is controversial, but I've never found Salah as a pure finisher. Like, I, even, even you know, um, last season, where obviously he got a ridiculous amount of goals, from a personal perspective, stylistically, as in terms of finishing ability, I've never seen him as like a pure finisher like a I would never put him anywhere near like a a Kane or a Van Nistelrooy or a Ronaldo the great like the OG Ronaldo like I'm not saying he's not talented or anything or he's not a good goal scorer just stylistically as a finisher purely as a finisher I've, I've never thought he is that great and if you're not that great a finisher it 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 can be allowed to go you know a certain amount of games of not scoring just because you know, so, you know, sometimes Kane can just not do anything in the game, but because he's such a natural finisher, if a ball just lands at his feet, he has that ability. Um, I, I don't know if that's controversial or is it just it's, it's a personal stylistic feeling that I have. I mean, he's not a natural centre forward, is he? He's a he's a winger who's become a wide forward and just had a phenomenal two seasons. Because his last season for Roma, he was fantastic. Considering, you know, it was all about Jeka. He still got what about twenty goals? Mm. I think you're right. He's he's not he's not a a pure finisher. 
But what he does have when he's on real, real form is defenders are almost scared of the thought of him. Mm. And so when they got, they got like that goal he scores against Everton, where, where Everton's defense is all over the place. It's almost like they're so scared of the fact he's a, he's a good finisher that he or, he almost gets that extra half a second sometimes that someone like him needs to place his shot. And at the moment, I think he's rushing slightly. And had he taken that extra touch last night, I'm sure he'd have scored. And there will be a defense that crumbles against his speed and against his running and the fact that people are like, oh God, we've got a Mark Marnie at the moment and Salah. And once he gets that goal, his confidence will come up and people will be scared of him again and they'll back off from him from him again and he'll have that space to to do that Robin-esque coming on from the left that he likes to do once in a while or just getting behind someone and going for a tap-in. Yeah, just to give my two cents on what you asked there to do, I mean, he's not prime Torres, is he? I think that's the best way of looking at it. I mean, last season he was just so hot, hot patch throughout the whole season. Um, but, I mean, this season, you, you kind of watch him. I know he was pretty much excellent until the turn of the year as well, but he's just not hes not the most clinical. I mean, you watch him in one, one on one. He made, he made Pickford do a save. How's that possible? <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I get where you're coming from. I think he's not... You wouldn't say he's natural as Torres or Fowler or, dare I say, Owen. Um, but, yeah, he's, I, I see where you're coming from there. Um, but, lads, I, I think we're... About 40 ish minutes in, so I'll move, we'll move on. One last player I want to talk about from these two games. I know we've kind of gone away from the games, but I mean, Stephen, Joel Matip was getting. Has really big pockets. Yes, yes, he does. I mean, he's fit. He's fit Lewandowski in there pretty comfortably with the rest of the players he's played against since he came in the team. But I mean, start of the season, he was behind Joe Gomez. And Dejan Lovren in the pecking order. And now, I mean, Joe Gomez had struggled to get back in the team if he was fit tomorrow. I mean, what a turnaround for his Liverpool career. I mean, he's been bloody excellent since he's got his chance. Oh, he has been. I when I did my like the my usual squad piece at the start of the season on AI, I wrote that he's probably fourth choice at the moment. I think he's better than Lovren at the moment, but that he is good enough that if he gets a run of games and he stays fit, he could be pushing Gomez for a start and I think as you said now he is probably first choice when Gomez comes back unless Joe gets a game and he's immediately back to his phenomenal best but he won't be Gomez is going to need a few weeks to get anywhere near the player he was playing with and Matip uh, sorry, Van Dyke says in the inter- one of the interview that I saw on Twitter I can't remember what channel was on last night about how phenomenal him and Joel, as he calls him, are playing at the moment. How funnily well they're playing and what a player Matip's been. And, you know, Carragher said that goal last night wasn't Matip's fault and Carragher would know because he loved an own goal. He's just, he was actually aggressive last night. And that's one of the things that used to frustrate me at the start of the season and in previous seasons. Lewandowski either fell on the floor or was put on the floor. Mm. When he finally gets a yellow card, he's like, ref, that's my first foul. It's, it's quite amusing, really, isn't it? Because he's been quite happy to not Lewandowski around all game. Finally let him out of his pocket and gets a yellow card. But I've enjoyed watching him play. I've enjoyed the slightly more aggressive nature he showed last night. I think he's benefited from having a proper vocal centre-half next to him. Because we, we, we know Van Dyke is an absolute hero. But just having someone who talks... 
next to him and not like just to the press like Lover and having a proper, proper commanding vocal mm. centre half who tells you where to be, who's telling everyone what to do. He's he, he seems to have had a bit of confidence with his ball at the his ball at the feet again, and if only he could head the ball in more than two directions, <laughs> straight up or straight down, he could have had a hat trick in a game recently. So I've, I've I've really enjoyed how he's played in recent weeks. I think he's definitely the least of our problems. If we go into next season and we've got him as our third choice, Gomez gets back in the team, and Van Dijk will be perf- perfectly fine. He'll play plenty of games. He's he seems to be a good member within the squad. He seems to have a good attitude. You know, don't ever hear him in the press complaining. He gets on the pitch, and as I said, the, the aggressive side of his game last night, I think, helped. And mm. I just like watching him run out of, from the back, looking like a gazelle, and realizing he's run past the entire midfield and turning around and going back. He's definitely scoring a worldie, and nobody's going to stop him. Oh yeah, we get we get to the Champions League final, and he's either scoring <laughs> the best head, the best header of his life, or he's dribbling through someone's defence, or an own goal. No middle ground. <laughs> uh, but um, today, were um, your thoughts on Joel Matip's Liverpool renaissance? Yeah, it's it's been good to watch. Um, I think the important thing for him was probably the fact that we lost both Gomez and Lovren. And Klopp didn't have a choice but to play a matter for so long. And he's been allowed to actually settle into some sort of partnership with, with Van Dijk. Um, if, if we had a Lovren or even a Gomez fit at that same time, uh, I, I wonder if the chopping and changing, we, would, we wouldn't have seen this type of mm. comfort that, that, that Maddox seems to have now. Um, in terms of picking order, I, I think... At this stage of the season, you do have to go with form. And my worry would be, you know, now that Lovren is back, if he gets one or two games and then let's say, let's say the next, over the next two games, he plays fantastic and Klopp now sees him ahead of Matip again. Lovren is renowned for not playing more than five games in a row without getting some sort of injury. And then what does that then do to the defense again in five games time? where it's just going to be disjointed again. Now Matip has to come in, get back to the speed of it. Van Dijk gets, has to get used to playing with another partner again. For me, I think you just, if it's not broke, don't fix it, don't don't meddle with it, don't change it, just leave it as it is. There are two starting centre-backs now for the rest of the season. If Matip or Van Dijk get an injury, then we take it at that point in time, but for now, just don't change anything. You can, you know, Gomez is young enough to go again next season to try and win that place back. Lovren, he he's a fighter, so he he'll always come back trying to to win back a spot. So yeah, for me, I, I wouldn't change it. And it's been good to see that he's been playing well. He's another one of those players in our squad who, even if he plays well, it doesn't get mentioned as much as other players. So, but I don't mind. With centre backs, if you've got one world class centre back in Van Dyke, the second centre back just needs to be someone that isn't going to make a mistake. Just don't do any, he doesn't have to do anything special. He can give six to seven out of 10 performances every single game and we'll never have to speak of him. It's when 
our second choice defender starts trying to 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 give you know ten out of t- ten out of ten performances and then four out of ten the next day. That's when it becomes a problem. Van Dyke can give the eight to ten out of ten performances. The guy next to him just needs to give a solid seven out of ten every every, every game, and, and and he'll be fine. And Matip is doing that at the moment. Um, and then I know at the beginning you mentioned the goal in terms of Carragher saying it wasn't his fault. I, I do have to agree. And I think it's one of those situations where Matip had to put a foot in um, because Lewandowski's got a free tap in um, just behind him. So you have to try and put a, a foot there and hope maybe, you know, it it, it kills the ball a bit and, and Allison can get something on it or the ball goes wide or even just sticking your leg out could have distracted Lewandowski, you know, if the ball went past him. So, yeah, I, I, I don't give him any blame for that goal either. I think that ball's come in so quickly. He's not even thought. He's reacted. That was a pure footballing reaction to a situation, not him having time to assess it or anything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, well, speaking of blame for that goal, I mean, one of the topics that kind of came out from that game is the fact that Robertson's going to miss the first leg of the next round. Uh, I'll ask you who you want in the next round in, in a minute. But, um, Stephen, I mean... Robertson's probably in his worst spell of form in a Liverpool shirt. I think it's fair to say. I think I think the yellow card is a blessing in disguise. Mm. In his last three or four games, he's not been playing brilliantly. He's not been rotated where a lot of the team have been. You know, we've seen games where even Firmino's not started. We've seen Fabinho not start. Um, I just think it's just maybe overplayed, and the fact that he now has to miss a game to me now makes perfect sense for this weekend against a team that can't defend for Toffee. We get Albi on the pitch. He's fast. The team love him. Look at all the photo train, the training shots that they put out on Twitter before the games. Everyone's always smiling and laughing when they're around Albi Moreno. And if you want to smile and laugh, you do it at Craven Cottage. So I think it's pressing in disguise. I think hopefully Albi can play against Fulham, show that he's a serviceable attacking left back and that the, the, the behemoth that is Van Dijk in his current form will protect when Albi forgets to come back and defend. And hopefully he can get a couple of games in and when we do play someone in the Champions League, as long as it isn't basically Barcelona, I think Albi has to play. And even then I think he has to play because of the because of his pace. Mm. So, yeah, but I think Robbo's been struggling. I don't think it's the worst thing for him to be dropped. He'll know in the back of the head that the only reason he got into the team was because Albie had a cracking start to last season, got an injury. Robbo came in and did better. So maybe a couple of games out, give Albie a little bit of momentum and then see how they both perform at the end of the season. We all know he, we all know Moreno's off. We all know Robbo's our first choice, but that's, as as you've just said about Matip Tadiwa, maybe it's time to say, Robbo, your form's not great. We can't play in the next Champions League game. You've got to sit this one out. I didn't pay Stephen to say that, by the way. <laughs> uh, but to do, I mean, your thoughts on Robertson finally missing a game um, in the in terms of the next round, next uh, leg of the Champions League. 
and also his bigger picture of his form because I mean as I said probably his worst spell of form in a Liverpool shirt but um, what what's your thought I expect Milner to play because well I mean Moreno's not even been on the bench recently but um, what's your thoughts on a left back situation yeah I think I think one thing we have to remember with Robertson is he only just turned 25 I think yeah a couple of days ago like three days ago or something so he's still a young player and Young players aren't going to be consistent. They're going to have, you know, some off patches. And I suppose that's when the big squad become becomes crucial in that there should be a time when Robertson should get days off, in inverted commas, or, you know, be rotated out. You, you've seen sort of, for example, at Spurs, they do it pretty well in terms of rotating their fullbacks. Um, I think with Albi... I wonder if maybe because you know he he's the light-hearted one in the team he's the joker he he I wonder if he's done like he went too far with something um with and and Klopp didn't take take to it too well and and that's the reason he he hasn't featured as much because like like um Steven said, mentioned Albi started the season well uh, last season and then only through the injury did Robertson get his chance but I thought then that was the perfect excuse to now say, okay, we've got two left backs that we that you, you can sort of play against each other, you know, get the, get that competitive, you know, position going of who's going to keep the jersey, whoever's playing well can keep the jersey, but you still rotate them in in and out. Whereas for for me, it looked like Klopp just said, right, Albi's out, like that's it. Whereas I thought that that was a bit harsh. So I wonder if because Klopp can be jovial and, and he can be funny, but he seems like the guy where, you know, if you're joking around within a minute, he'll say, okay, guys, joke's over, time to get serious. And then Albi seems like the type of guy that would then throw in that extra joke after the manager's just said, okay, it's time to be serious. And maybe he, he's done that a few times that, that, that hasn't rubbed Klopp the right way. That's just my personal hunch. Um, well, it might be because he can't defend. <laughs> I really like I really like Alberto Moreno. I like the way he attacks. I like his pace. I like I like footballers who play with a smile on their face. But he's not very good at the old defending for a defender. But he's got that recovery t- tackle from behind that's just glorious to watch. I I, I love it when he chases back and and he has the most outrageous tackles on the planet. And how many times do you watch him do a tackle and think, ah, that's a red card? And you see the highlight and you're like. How did he get his foot round there and get the ball and not touch the player? Like how? I think it's, I, it's like a sliding tackle mixed with a yoga move. Yeah. He's done some pretty mental tackles. I mean, I, also, I absolutely love watching him play, but he's pretty bonkers and he doesn't defend particularly well. Defended's boring anyway. <laughs> when you've got, um, as you mentioned, when you've got a guy like Virgil van Dijk, I'm sure you can pick and choose which games to play Albi. But he's he's dropped off a cliff in terms of the the minutes he's been he's been given. Um, I'm sure there's some of those you know games against Huddersfield or something like that where you could throw him in there just to, just to keep him ticking over. I, well, I, he I did v Cardiff, didn't he? And then it was nothing till the cups, which was yeah. Cool. But mm. maybe if he's not getting a new contract, it's he's in a position where you're not staying. We're not going to keep you. Let's only use you if we have to. 
Mm, I mean, that just makes it weird that we've loaned out Klein then, because we don't have options at fullback anyway. If we, if you don't yeah. want to use Alby, Milner's a hundred years old. He can't play every position in the pitch. Um, I was going to say, if 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 we had a you, young left back, then then maybe I would understand that one in terms of saying um, we're not playing Alby, we're rather playing a, a young guy. But if we're playing Milner there, who, as is mentioned, is is obviously at the tail end of his career. He already has such limited minutes. Wouldn't we rather see those minutes in midfield than left? I, I don't know. Mm. Anyway, people will get annoyed at me mentioning I'll be in the podcast. I do it all the time. Um, well, I didn't bring him up, Stephen. You did. <laughs> so, yeah, blame him. Um, but anyway, we we kind of, towards the end of the podcast, maybe we'll talk a little bit about Fulham, but... Um, the draw is tomorrow morning. I'm not sure when this pod will be out. It might be out after the draw, but ideally, in a word, Stephen, who would you want in the uh, in the draw? Ajax. Same for me. Um, today, who would you want? Porto. Yep, second choice right there. Um, um, obviously, Fulham is on Sunday, and this has been recorded on the first evening, so a couple of days in between. Um, Stephen... Don't give me a whole team and stuff like that. We just talked about the left back spot, obviously playing Albi and stuff like that. But is there any other changes you'd possibly like to see? Uh, yeah, Cater if he's fit, mm. start. And if Shaq's fit, and the guys have talked on UP, and Dave's talked about it, if maybe there's some kind of knock he's had. There was mention that you know he's had some, a forward in training or something he's not really played he's been on the bench and he's jumped up and down but we've not seen him on the pitch but if he's fit I wouldn't mind seeing Shaq if he doesn't start getting a good 30-40 minutes I think we're going to need him in the next few games but I, I really really want to see Kay to play yeah I think that's a good shout there I mean Kurt really needs to get some more minutes after his little Baron spell and so does Shaquille to be fair as he said um, today were any um, rotation options for you? Yeah, I think the all the shots that have been mentioned are good shots. My only worry is I'm, I can see Lalana starting, and I don't know if mm. you can play Lalana and Cater in the same team. Ah, it's only for them. <laughs> I am touching wood. Famous don't worry, last, people. <laughs> yeah, so so that would be my only in inverted commas interesting thing to see um, because obviously when Lalana's fit, he he gets a lot of minutes. So whether or not he plays them both or he actually goes with Kate and, and leaves Lalan on the bench, I'm, I'm not sure if he does that. And then I think I'd also like to see one of the front three rested. So it, it, mm. it doesn't matter which one really, to be honest, but throw an Origi in there and then give one of the front three a rest. Yeah, I think Bobby... We're not playing for two weeks. Ugh. <sighs> Well, they still go away for the international duty, don't they? Nah, that doesn't matter. Yeah, that was rubbish. The Brazilians travelled though. Yeah, I mean that's a good shout with Bobby. Off. Is Bobby in the? I don't think they've announced the squad yet, have they? Um, but I imagine Bobby will be going, so he might be the best shout for storage of Origi to play. I think I'd agree with that one as well, actually. Um, but we will finish up there because I can't think of anything else to talk about. Um, any plugs, lads, Stephen? Can't be arse writing no. still. <laughs> I've got a very, very busy job at the moment, so nothing to write. Although, uh, just for Dave, I'll plug how much we all love Bruno Fernandes. He's not going to share his money. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
But <laughs> today, where do you think you want to plug? Uh, no, no, not, nothing at all. Um, no, no, I'm good. We will do a fantasy at some point. There, there we could share. <laughs> so, yeah, that's why I hesitated. <laughs> I, I, I didn't want to tease something that, that wasn't coming out. So. Ah, they'll forget anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but there is an international break, so we will do a fantasy uh, and talk about how I screwed up, as per. Um, but we'll finish up there, chap. So thanks for joining me, you two. It has been a bit of a late one, but thanks for listening as well. Goodbye. Let's get ready to rumble! Podcast Network.